Well, let's continue um, in prayer. Uh, And what I want you to do right now, uh, it's been a busy couple of weeks in our nation. Uh, It's been, uh, I'm sure, individually as well. And so what we want to do right now is just posture ourselves to receive what the Lord has for us, because that's the only thing that matters, is what the Lord wants to say to us this morning. And so uh, if you would just ask those two questions, Lord, what do you want to say to me today? What do you want to speak directly to me, and how do you want me to respond? Those two questions are key as we enter God's presence so that we can be alert and attuned to what he wants to say to us and ready to take action when he calls. So let's, uh, let's enter in this morning. Lord, we thank you. Every day should start with that. Thank you, Jesus. No matter what the conditions of the culture around us, you are still on the throne. You are still Lord of all. And we thank you. We thank you that there's nothing that can separate us from your love and from your grace. I ask that this morning we would ready ourselves for an encounter with you. That you would remove fear in Jesus' name. That you would remove shame in Jesus' name. That you would remove worry and anxiety in Jesus' name. That you would remove any sense of rage or hatred in Jesus' name. Lord, all things that are not of you that are coming against us this morning, we say, leave in Jesus' name. Lord, this is holy ground because, not because of the building, not because of the geographical location, but because your presence is here amongst your people. And so this is holy ground because we are in proximity to you and we become holy as you are holy when we are with you. So Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the encouragement of your presence and we thank you for the encouragement we have with one another. Would you bless this word this morning? Would you bless our time? Would you uh, help us go after the things you want us to go after? and that we would walk with you this day. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. (sighs) Deep breath. Well, how was Father's Day, dads, last week? How was that? Good? Yeah, a little clapping, yeah. I wasn't here last week. I was at a family reunion in Northern California with my dad, and my daughter, who has zero energy. That's a lie. (laughs) And in my family, okay, imagine 150 plus people that make me look like a high introvert, all right? Like I'll lock myself in a cave, and that was the atmosphere of last weekend. And some said to me, I'm glad you got some rest. No, I never said that. (laughs) That did not happen. But it was a a joyous experience. And today we're going to go through Hebrews 13, verses 1 through 19. And before we do that, I I want to kind of lead into this with a story uh, that reflects what we want to talk about today. How many of you like relief when relief comes? Raise your hand. How many of you love freedom? Raise your hand. All right. 
what we're going to see in this text today, that relief does not guarantee you freedom. Say that with me. Relief does not guarantee you freedom. Freedom can bring relief, but relief doesn't necessarily bring freedom. When we're in Christ Jesus, we experience what? Freedom. Guess what? Freedom's hard. Is it not? Freedom is very hard. We don't know what to do with freedom sometimes. And I'm not just talking about political freedom. I'm talking about spiritual freedom. Right? We, we often go back to what we know because there's relief in that because guess what? We know it. We know how to live in it. Look at the Israelites or the Hebrews in chapter 14 of Exodus. They're at the Red Sea and guess what? Pharaoh's after them, but they're free, right? They're free and freedom got hard really quick because they see Pharaoh coming after them and they're like, oh man, get us out of here. Let's just go back because at least we knew where we stood. There'd be a relief there. And Moses says to them, God says through Moses, hey, don't be afraid. Simply be still and the Lord your God will fight for you this day. How we would translate that is stop whining, sink into God's presence because he will never leave you and he will never ever forsake you. That's freedom, but freedom is hard. And uh, you know, a, a story I have for you today is, uh, it, it seems inconsequential I guess, but how many of you have had babies at one time or another? You have kids or you've been around babies, and when they cry, how irritating is that? <laughs> right? When they won't stop crying, how irritating is that? Let's up the irritation quotient. You're trying to sleep and they're crying. You're trying to get some solitude and they're crying. And all you're praying for is, Lord, give me some sweet relief. Right? And then when they stop, even for a moment, even if it's so they can catch a breath, that moment lasts a lifetime because you're desperate for it. And it's got to sustain you at least for a moment so sanity can ensue. And you can continue. But when you realize that it's a phase, when you realize that it, it is a, a part of the process, when you can get your mind around that, there's a sense of freedom because you know there's hope. There's hope at the end of the tunnel. So when they cry, it's irritating, yeah, but it doesn't affect you the same way because you understand there will be an end because this is not it. Someday they're gonna grow up and hopefully they'll stop crying <laughs> And you can have this great intimate relationship and there's a sense of hope for that. So we see that relief doesn't necessarily bring freedom. But freedom can bring relief because with freedom there's hope. And when I say freedom, remember, I'm not, I'm not talking about the patriotic freedom, I'm talking about the freedom of Jesus Christ. And freedom, there's a sweet relief because we have a hope set before us that this life is not the end deal. So how we live this life has to reflect that there is more after this life because of Christ Jesus. Yes? Okay. That's very important when we engage this passage today. Now, I'm going to skip directly to the point of this passage. And I want you to keep this phrase in your mind as we go through. It's a long passage, so I'm going to speed through a little bit of it. But we'll bring it all 
at, together at the end here, okay? But here's what I want you to see. Read that, please. Go. Now sit with that for a minute. Okay, sit with that for a minute. I'm going to pray something over us right now. So just join me in prayer. Lord, we pray that this would be our countenance this morning. We ask in Jesus' name that this would be our reality. This would be the truth of our our posture with you. Right now, in this moment. Thank you, Lord, that you never leave us. Thank you that you never forsake us. Thank you that we can say with confidence that you are our helper. Thank you that we do not have to be afraid Because what can people do to us when we are with you? Thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Okay, is that a clear message? We understand what we want to bring with us as we go into this passage. Yes? Okay, good. Now we can get into this. So, Hebrews is coming to a close. We've been through this journey And it's been this cycle, we see it uh, repetitive throughout Hebrews, that Jesus is enough. And remember, these people are struggling. The things around them, the belief systems, the culture around them do not cater to their belief in Jesus. Does that sound familiar? Okay. It doesn't cater to that. So they're feeling the pressure. And they want to revert back to Judaism and what they knew and the sacrifices because at least they could get some relief because freedom is hard. And the author of this exhortation, of this letter, is trying to drill in their minds that reality that he'll never leave you, he'll never forsake you. He's the only thing that matters because the conditions of the world around you are always gonna get worse, they're gonna be bad, until I come back, says the Lord, it's gonna be like this. So who I am in you is what's gonna make a difference. Because Jesus goes, I'm after hearts, not just behavior. I'm after the heart of the person. Because when that heart is transformed, then guess what? The behavior is transformed. And so if these people do not stay with Jesus, then guess what? Hearts will not be impacted and the conditions around them will continue to get worse and they won't be transformed. And so, this is what verse one of 13 starts with right here. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Okay, whoa. Keep on loving one another as family The most intimate human relationship you can have is family, and that includes spouses, they become family, right? Love people, continue to do this, always. Now, everything that we're gonna read here is hard because it's under the banner of freedom in Christ Jesus. Everything that you're gonna see here in this passage is hard, which is why they have to be reminded of it. They have to be reminded of it. Because it's hard and we want to flee from it. How many of you want to love everybody, especially your enemies, like they're your closest relationship? (laughs) Not me. But that's how this passage starts. So you can see we're in for it today. Okay? We're in for it. 
Now I'm trying, I'm gonna try and make sure this sermon isn't too long, okay? Or this conversation, but I can't promise that because this is important. This is very important because this is the crescendo, the climax, if you will, of the book and we need to hear this. So, keep on loving one another. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers for by doing, for, for so by doing or whatever, I, what does that say? So, for by doing so, thank you, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Okay, so now I've gotta be hospitable to strangers, which means I'm giving them what I got. I'm opening up myself to strangers. What do we teach, teach our kids? Stay away from them. <laughs> Man, I, I'm praying my daughter gets that. Because <laughs> she's like, hi, 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 hi. All over the place. But hospitable to, tra- to strangers because you don't know who you're hosting. Okay? You don't know who you're hosting. But this is hard. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Now, when we really dig into that and we dig into the Greek, understand this. This is saying that the people that are outcasts, those who are prisoners, those, those people you really don't want anyone, anything to do with, have everything to do with them. Have everything to do with them. Go after their hearts. But remember, it's hard for us because what we see is behavior. It's hard for us to go after the hearts of prisoners, of outcasts, because what we see is behavior. We forget to look at the heart. And we love saying that Jesus sat with sinners. It's great to say it. It's hard to to imitate it. Because it's hard. Freedom's hard. It's risky. And then this one, those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Now this sometimes seemed to be easier because our compassion margin can be higher sometimes for a lot of people. But our country got shook up with Charleston. When I heard that, I wept. Because that behavior is evil. It's evil. That kind of hatred, that kind of rage, that kind of racism, anything you want to call it, is straight up evil and our hearts should break. Those of us who are walking with Jesus, our hearts should absolutely break, be tormented by that because that's what's happening to Jesus. When he sees that, he is tormented by that. So, so we are, so those who are mistreated, we have to, as ourselves are suffering with them, that has to be our attitude so that our compassion sinks in and we go after the hearts and we say no more to that. And we go after those people with love and grace, the oppressed and the oppressor. And we go after their hearts, not just the behavior. Because they need to know freedom, but freedom again is what? Hard. Marriage should be honored by all. This is our passage today. (laughs) So you think God has something to say? Marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Keep your lives from the love of money and be content with what you have and then we'll get to this again. 
Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And we look, if we look closely at the Greek here, it means keep marriage, which is defined in scripture in this, even just in this passage, between a man and a woman, keep it pure. And it's not just about homosexuality, it's about all things. Because that's not the only thing that can hurt marriage. Lies, deceit, indifference. There are a variety of things. So the Lord is saying, pour yourself into into your marriage if you are married. Into your relationships, your most intimate relationships, keep them pure, keep them good. And the only way you can do that is if they are centered on being with Jesus. All relationships, not just the marriage, all relationships, if they are to be healthy, have to be centered in the love of God. Done. We can see bright spots and moments if the Lord isn't, you know, Lord of the relationship, but it cannot meet its potential and richness of intimacy without the love of God. It cannot. And keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Okay, this is not just about money. The writer is saying, don't lose yourself in the things that help bring you a sense of control and security outside of Jesus. And that's where we get this passage right here, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. You don't need to put your confidence in money. You don't need to put your confidence in unhealthy relationships or anything like that. It always has to be in me because I say this to you, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. I can say this with confidence. The Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? A lot of things have happened over the last couple weeks. And and a lot of things are always happening, things we don't see. But if we are walking with Jesus, we cannot panic, we cannot give in to anxiety, we cannot give in to worry, because our responsibilities say the same, and that's to be in alignment with the love of God, allowing him to move in us and through us, and what we see is not the conditions of the world, but the hearts of the world, and when we go after that, that is pleasing to Jesus. And when we go after that, he moves and then transforms behavior. The problem that we have as Christians today is that we see the behavior and we're so disgusted with it that we attack that rather than going after the heart and love and grace and watching God do the work and transform. There's a reason why he tells everybody all throughout scripture, don't be afraid. Yeah, freedom's hard, but I'm gonna show you how to live in that. You don't have to go out of this false relief I'm gonna show you how to live in freedom. And the only way that can happen is if you stay with me. So when conditions get hard around us, stay with them because we can get lost in that. And then we can miss the whole point is that God wants to bring people to himself in relationship, transform their hearts so that they can see who they are in Christ Jesus, their value, their significance, and move in that. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And this means, you know, as a leader, I kind of like talking about this because sometimes you don't feel that that's what's happening. (laughs) 
But the context of it is this. Those leaders around you that reflect being with Jesus, meaning you see the fruit of being with Jesus, imitate that. There are people in our lives, right, we look up to because of their walk with Jesus. I had mentors throughout my entire life and they were, they, I looked to them and imitated what they did because I saw the fruit of Jesus within them. And what Jesus does in someone is trustworthy, meaning he's always trustworthy. So what we see here is he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, meaning he is always trustworthy. He's always trustworthy. I'm gonna say it again in case it hasn't sunk in. He is always trustworthy. Always. And when you see that and the leaders around you imitate that, Because if every good and perfect gift comes from God and you see that in your leaders, you're imitating Jesus. And that's good. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strained teachings. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by eating ceremonial foods, which is of no benefit to those who do so. We have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. Now, this here is that the, the Jews want to go, these Christian Jews want to go back to the ceremonial stuff so they know where they stand. So it becomes less difficult for them. And so this is about them uh, eating ceremonial foods and, and offering up certain sacrifices and saying, don't get carried away with that stuff. That's not what matters here. The high priest carried the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp, and so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore, for here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to what? Come. We are told to go outside that place where the ceremonial food was taken, and so Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice. He was taken outside the city where he was sacrificed for our sins, and we are to go meet him there. And I want to read you something um, from the ESV translation. Some of the scholars uh, comment on this passage, and I think it's a great interpretation. I want you to hear this. referring to going outside to the camp to meet Jesus, speaks metaphorically of leaving behind, and listen carefully, leaving behind the love of this world and the desire for its approval. And desire for its approval and embracing the reproach of Christ, emulating Jesus' response to his shameful sufferings. Moreover, such Christian endurance is founded on a realization that this world is merely a temporary dwelling en route to an eternal home. Great translation. That's about being where Jesus is. Because when we're with Jesus, we say that over and over, right? With Jesus, with Jesus. Some people, some people are tired of hearing that, but guess what? You're gonna have to live with that because we're gonna continue to say that because scripture is always pointing to that's the best place to be. The best response I've ever heard 
to the hope that we have. When someone says, how is, how is uh, Sharon like that? And I heard this this, this week from Mark Spencer, of course, because he's got all these wonderful fortune cookie sayings that are just great. And he told this story, but the, the phrase in it was this, well, Sharon's in love with Jesus. She is deeply in love with Jesus. And guess what? That's the only thing that matters. That simplifies it. And that's the only thing that matters. So we go outside the gate with Jesus and we leave, I want to say this again because I think it's so great. We leave the love of this world. We leave the desire for its approval and embrace the reproach of Jesus. Emulating his response to his shameful sufferings Such Christian endurance is found on a realization that this world is a temporary dwelling en route to an eternal home. So it is easy for us to get lost in behavior if our understanding is this is it. But we have hope beyond behavior that Jesus will impact those hearts because we know there's something more. And so we go after the heart and God transforms that. Have confidence in your leaders. (laughs) That's a theme, right? I like that. No, I'm just playing. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. And the closing remarks, pray for us. We are sure that we have a clear conscience and desire to live honorably in every way. I particularly urge you to pray so that I may be restored to you soon. So we see that call to continue to imitate those around you, those around you that, that show the fruit of the love of God in their lives. And I love verse 18, pray for us. We should be praying for each other all the time. And we want to say, hey, prayer is a value here at Bridgewood Community Church. Let's put our money where our mouth is and let's commit to praying together. Let's commit to praying for one another. Amen? For never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Now that is a powerful passage where we see clearly what our call is. We see clearly that we're to be right where he is because it's not about relief. It's about standing in the love of God, which is freedom. It's absolute freedom. And freedom is hard, but freedom in Christ Jesus allows us to do things we never could have done before, ever before. It allows us to go to places that we would never go. It allows us to go in those prisons and see the hearts. It allows us to go to our enemies and say, I forgive you. And I want to share this last story because this, to me, when I heard this, when I listened to it, I fell to the ground and I said, Lord, allow, please help me to have the capacity to allow you to do what I just heard. And one of the the mothers that was sitting in that Bible study in Charleston and watched her son shot down meets the shooter in a room and says, I forgive you. 
Was it sad? Yes. Was she hurt? Yes. Was she angry? Yes. But she took it to a place few of us can go because we feel we're entitled to meet behavior with behavior. Or bad behavior with justified bad behavior. And she does something different. She brings Jesus to the man's heart. And she says, I'm hurting, but I forgive you. That's freedom. Relief would have had a different outcome. But freedom brought Jesus into a room. And I believe Jesus is messing with that young man. I think he's poking and prodding at him. Because she allowed herself to stay with Jesus in the midst of terrible conditions. Nothing speaks more profoundly from the church than the church staying with Jesus. I promise you things will get more challenging. I promise you that. And we can write all the Facebook posts we want. We can, we can fight all the behavior we want. But at the end of the day, it's about bringing Jesus to those hearts. It's about reflecting him in such a way, allowing ourselves to receive the love of God in such a way people go, what is that? And I can say, I am in love with Jesus. And guess what? It's the only thing that matters. And it's the only thing that's going to change the heart of an oppressor. It is the only thing. So before we get lost in the conditions of life and start reacting to them, stay where you are. Be still and know that I am God. Remember what we said about that? Be still, meaning sink into my presence and notice me. You don't have to do anything, but just notice that I'm there. If we can be that kind of church, then conditions change. If we can be that kind of lover of Jesus, the heart of every person will change that we encounter. So yes, are the events of the last few weeks sad? Yes, they are. Are they hard? Yes, they are. But guess what? That's good because we're told they're gonna be and that gives us opportunity to minister. Our response has to be an onslaught of the loving presence of Jesus Christ. Our response to all things around us has to be an onslaught of the loving presence of Jesus Christ. And that is my hope for this church family and for every church family, that God would unite us in such a way that we unleash upon this world the love of Jesus in a way they had never seen it before. Because a new day is a new day to allow Jesus to impact the heart. Let's pray. Lord, you are so good, and we honor you. We thank you. We praise you. Holy is your name. We are told to praise you. You say in verse 15, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise the fruit of his lips that open, openly profess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such fat sacrifices, God is pleased. We do these things because they please you, not just out of obedience. Do it because it pleases your heart because we are in love with you, Jesus. 
And so we sing songs of praise. We yell words of praise from our hearts. We posture ourselves in a place of praise for you are good. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we thank you that we can live in freedom and though it is hard, you never leave us and you'll never forsake us. Bless this time as we engage you even more deeply. Bless the tithes and the offerings and they may reflect our trust in you. Our money is yours. Our time is yours. Our relationships are yours. Because when we give all things to you, it is pleasing to you because it says we trust you. For you are trustworthy, you are trustworthy, you are trustworthy. We thank you, Lord. We praise you. Holy is the Lord God Almighty. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.